Welcome to What She Said, A Thrill of Hope. I'm Amanda Wood, and today is Tuesday, December 20th. Today we're going to be looking at Luke 2, 21 through 24. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Okay, so Mary has had Jesus and eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child. So it was time for his circumcision and his naming. Um, And so Mary and Joseph took Jesus and they went to the temple for these customary rituals. So this was the custom given in the law of Leviticus 12, 2 through 3. And Mary and Joseph were devout and religious Jews. So they, she had seven initial days of purification. And then on the eighth day, they headed to the temple for his circumcision, which is an Old Testament sign of the covenant with God. So even though we are still in the New Testament, currently at this moment, um, practicing Jews are all still under Old Covenant ceremony and law. So this ceremonial circumcision and purification were simply a reminder that we are all born into sin. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. We are all born in a sinful and separated world. And that was the purpose of these Old Testament laws and ceremonies following the birth of a child. A reminder of that sinful condition so then you can take the next step forward in life to repent and uh, take part in the sacrificial system and become reconciled with God to the degree that the Old Testament law allowed for. So Jesus himself was not born into sin but even as a baby he is identifying with us and he's going through the same things which are required of all sinful man who was born into this world he's not placing himself in his rightful place which is above us he is here as a baby lowering himself to our level just as he eventually did at his baptism and just as he eventually did on the cross So looking at the circumcision itself, there were hygiene reasons for this circumcision. Um, It was part of the law, but you can see that a great many things in the law, especially those, um, those instructions around remaining ceremonial clean, ceremonially clean and getting rid of any uncleanness were Often, um, they seem to have a health and hygiene link. And the reason that God gave those laws was in order to set the Israelites into a more healthy and safe environment, protecting them from a great many scourges, which would take out and eliminate large populations of surrounding people who didn't have these practices. 
But most importantly, this, circumc- this circumcision is a removal of flesh as a sign of the covenant for those who should put no trust in flesh. Additionally, circumcision deals with the organ of procreation. So it was a reminder um, of the special seed of Abraham and that would ultimately bring Messiah. It's kind of a wild thing for us to think about that like all of that stuff was tied in, but that is what it meant biblically. That's why we see the circumcision um, throughout the Bible and why on in the New Testament after Jesus, uh, they say, you don't have to do circumcision. You need to circumcise your heart instead. Instead of taking away this like physical flesh as a sign of a covenant, you need to cut away that which um, is in your heart that shouldn't be there as a sign to your New New Testament, New Covenant devotion to Christ. Galatians 5.3 says, And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. So with this circumcision, Jesus carried around with him a reminder of his commitment to keep the law, even as he was about to fulfill it and bring in the new covenant of Jeremiah 31.31. Colossians 2.11 indicates this continued need for circumcision New Testament style. This is what I just referenced. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So we see, this is like, there's a million examples of this. We see an Old Testament law that it's not just done and gone. It's not just put away. But things from the Old Testament were brought into the New Testament and given again, but in a different way. It's sort of like with the Ten Commandments. It's, um, you know, thou shalt not kill. And then Jesus says, but I tell you, that you even thinking hatefully of someone in your heart is you killing them. And we see that a lot. It's like here was the Old Testament law and like here is a New Testament, um, New Covenant equivalency where you can see not the exact same rules staying in place, but you can see the spirit of what was intended in the Old Testament and an unchanging God who brings that into the New Testament in a new way. So going back to the passage, we're going to look at a little bit more about what's actually going on here. There's a lot mentioned, a lot of process mentioned. Um, So there's going to be a lot of Leviticus um, in all of this to explain what is actually going on in this passage. What are these things that Mary is doing? What, What are the details of why Mary and Joseph are at the temple? So In all, Leviticus 12 actually requires 40 full days of ritual uncleanness and purification after the birth of a son. Leviticus 12.6 requires that a lamb must be sacrificed for the birth of a child, but it also allows two turtle doves or two pigeons if a family isn't able to afford the cost of sacrificing a lamb. It was pricey. You had to have some means to get the lamb. So we see in the passage that Mary and Joseph opted for the bird offering, which was known as the offering of the poor. And this is just another sign that God sent his son to an unremarkable peasant family with no means. They were so poor and so simple, they couldn't even offer the normal level of sacrifice for the birth of King Jesus. And that was okay. That's who God wanted. 
Additionally, this offering indicates, um, as we would expect through Matthew, that all of this did take place before the wise men arrived. Um, the wise men showed up with their gold and frankincense and myrrh. And while, while the gold means something to us, the others mean very little. But they were, um, they were incredibly expensive gifts. They would have received riches um, from accepting these gifts of the wise men. Had the wise men already been there, Joseph and Mary would have been able to offer the full sacrificial lamb for the birth of Jesus. So just one more little tidbit that you can put into the clues that the wise men did in fact arrive later. So Levit Leviticus also does allow for the sacrifice of fine flour. Um, if you cannot afford the lamb and you cannot afford the birds, you can also offer flour. And Mary and Joseph didn't do that. So we can actually see they were they were poor, but they were not in abject poverty. Um, they, were, they, had, they had the minimum, but they did have their needs. So just to clarify the timeline of what's going on in this passage, because it kind of makes it sound like it all happened in one day, but there are at least three and possibly even four separate ceremonies here. Some of them happen on the same day, but others are happening on a completely um, different day. So the first one, which is the circumcision, stands alone on the eighth day of Jesus's life. Okay, so we have Jesus is born seven days of ritual purification and then there's that eighth day and that is where we open up at the beginning of this passage where Jesus is being circumcised. So the second, third, and possibly the fourth ceremonies are the purification ceremony, the presentation to the Lord, and then what's called redemption of the firstborn, which were not, it might kind of be part of the presentation of the Lord, but might officially be something different. But all of these three happen after the 40 days of, um, all 40 days have passed for the full purification ritual. So all of that is actually happening in this, this passage here. We're kind of seeing everything um, all in one because that, um, the sacrifice is is part of the purification, not part of the circumcision. So a discussion of the Old Testament laws and its requirements can hit a little sideways for New Testament Christians. Um, I definitely don't have time to do a super deep dive, but a lot of theology and doctrine looks at the law as if it had three parts. Now, Obviously, these three things are not said in the Bible. It's this is a this is kind of a tool for modern New Testament thinkers to look back and see um, what what the law was and understand it a little more fully. The law, the Old Testament law itself, did not break itself into these three parts. But for our our purposes, we have the first part is the moral law, the second part is the legal law or government, the way their society was run. And the third part is ceremonial law. A large amount of the ceremonial law and its ritual uncleanness was, like I said, designed for health and safety reasons to protect Israel and its people. It's tempting and understandable to look at this sort of passage and think that everyone is kind of being awful. We look at it and we think maybe they're treating women like they're disgusting because they've given birth. And it might look ignorant and cruel to our minds, but I want you to understand that neither was the purpose nor the outcome of this sort of ritual. So there are three main purposes for this postpartum process that we see. And the first one is God is building here a system to care for the mother. 
This woman, Mary, in our case, has just given birth. She's gone through a tremendous physical ordeal. And there are many things that a physical body needs to recover from. Not to mention you have a baby there. And that baby needs to bond and be cared for by his mother. This part of the law gave the mother, in our case Mary, a sort of maternity leave where she was required by law to step back from the demands of ancient life, stay home, care for herself, and rest and care for her and bond with her baby. So this is an example of a law that's actually a beautiful gift from the Lord to women. For all of the talk in our society today of how everybody should be required to offer maternity leave and everything else to women in the workplace, this is not only you don't have to take care of your work, but like you don't have to leave your house. This is a total ordered rest away from the rigors of ancient life for total rest and recovery for the mother. The second purpose of this postpartum process is to recognize the sacred nature of blood. In ancient Israel, they understood blood as containing your whole life. A great loss of blood can be associated, and often is associated, with a loss of life. Acknowledging this sanctity of blood, they were required to handle it in a certain way, but there were also hygienic benefits to these rituals regarding blood. All types of blood can transmit disease, whether it's human or animal or any type of bodily fluid can as well. But when you're looking at a monthly cycle or what goes on in the postpartum weeks after delivery for a woman, um, that's no different. It, it can transmit disease and the best, most safe thing to do is handle it in a very specific way and keep the woman who had less ability to really manage these things than um, women do today to kind of keep her um, a little bit separated from the whole of society so that you don't spread disease. It was a very practical um, element to it as well. But the third thing that we see here is a picture of our need for redemption. This is the most important part of the rituals, where they are a reminder that every new birth does bring another sinner into the world, and that sinner is in need of a savior. It's only through the proper and true recognition of our tr actual condition, our birth condition, that we can begin to receive the remedy for it. God needs us to recognize that the condition of our birth is not perfect or good. The condition of our birth is sinful and separated, and he is the only redemption. I know a lot of people have a problem um, really understanding or even just flat out have a problem with this portion of the message of Christ, that you are not good enough and you need him. I've seen people um, try to liken this to an abusive spouse saying you are no good or an abusive parent saying you are no good, you're nothing without me. Um, but I recently heard someone give a really great um, analogy to explain this, um, I guess, doctrine, this point of contention in the Christian faith. They said to picture that you walk into a room and there is a man there and he's beating another man on the chest. He's beating him on the chest absolutely as hard as he can. What would your reaction be? You would probably immediately think that that's terribly abusive. 
But now imagine that you've misread the situation because what the man who is beating on the other man's chest is actually doing is providing life-saving CPR measures in in an intent to um, get the man's heart pumping again. Now what you have is something that's the same action twice. But for one, it's abusive. And for the other, it's prescriptive. It's the exact thing that's needed in the situation. When we are told that we are not good and we need God, we have to realize that we're the second situation. We are not being abused by being told we are not good. We are lying on the floor and we are in desperate need of aggressive life-saving measures. God created us and he knows the problem and he is the great physician. He has the answer for the state that we are in. And it's only by admitting, you're right, I am not perfect and I am not good and I need what you have to offer. I need your redemption and I need your healing and I need to be rejoined to you again. And that might be hard and that might be really painful. But so many great and wonderful things are, and this is the best thing. I'm going to leave you there. Have a great day.